calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi listeners, it's Keegan here. We wanted to issue a quick trigger warning at the top of this episode. This episode deals with distressing subject matter such as murder, sexual assault, and violence against women. Please proceed at your own discretion. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this week we are doing something very near and dear to our hearts. Oh, very near and dear. Something that brought us together as people, I feel like. And that is... And as women. True crime. True crime. Because women love true crime. Women love it. We can't get enough of it. We want to know all about it. Yeah, and you know what? It's not something that I ever really... My mom and I always bonded over true crime. Yeah. We watched. And my grandma and I actually, like... That's probably the first place that I really started to get into true crime was, like, going to my grandparents' house and watching Law and & Order and uh-huh. Cops. They yeah, used to watch my cops mom and all I would time. watch a lot of, like, dramas that mm-hmm. were surrounding crime. Yes. Matlock. Yeah, I yes. always really liked just very dramatic things as a child. Um, so anything involving that, I was always, like, all for. And I love to know about, like, the books that my mom was reading. It was always, like, those, like, Daniel Steele novels Mm. and things like that. Yeah, my mom was really into Stephen King. We had, like, every Stephen King novel in our house. But it turns out that women being, um, very interested in or obsessed with, however you want to phrase that, with true crime is not unusual. No. In fact, and I've I've found that as this whole like true crime phenomenon, especially through podcasts, podcasts. and and documentaries and TV shows too, that the more I mention it, you know, there'll be men that'll get a little freaked out, but women are usually like they can step right in with me and we can have a conversation. Yeah, women are not usually freaked out about that. And while like um, my boyfriend enjoys watching true crime with me, in fact, like earlier today we were watching Dateline together. Mm-hmm. A lot of men don't and find women's interest in true crime to be weird. Or frightening. Even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I always thought, and I remember um, telling this to people, that my idea was that women were interested in true crime because it was more likely to happen to us. Yes. And it was a way of kind of, I know we talked about um, victim blaming as a way to make yourself feel safe. Yeah. Well, I feel like watching true crime is also kind of a way to make yourself feel prepared and safe. I was just going to say, for me, like, when I started getting more 
actively and independently involved in true crime, I started having those same dreams that I used to be, like, defeated in. I was suddenly, like, conquering my fears in my dreams. Right. You know, about, like, being... Because I don't, like... I have a fear of being chased, and I have always had an extreme fear of, like, being abducted or taken. And it's interesting how I've had dreams, even in the last few years, where, like, I've taken charge and, like, gotten out of the situation. And it's it's cool, like, how my... You know, I've I've taken all of that in and my brain has kind of, like, figured out a way to help me overcome that. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's a certain amount of fear that's healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I've maybe talked before either on this podcast or my other podcast about <laughs> the, the book, The Gift of Fear, about um, how I, they, they interview some of Ted Bundy's victims that were mm-hmm. not, you know, actually apprehended and, and how their instincts ke- uh, kicked in to keep them safe. And I think women really need that because society has conditioned us so much to be, like, Compliant. polite and accommodating. Yeah. And so we ignore sometimes our instincts that are built in us to keep us safe. Yeah. So when we expose ourselves to these, like true crime podcasts, true crime shows, we can kind of see what are the warning signs? What should I stay away yeah. from? We watch Silence of the Lambs and we're like, oh, she, don't get in that truck. Like, yeah, don't exactly. get in the like, truck. You know what, what's yeah, to what to look out for. Before we start talking about it, I wanted to ask you what your, like, favorite or first or, like, what's the first, like, story, true crime story that comes to your mind that you were really fascinated in or have always been really fascinated in? Like, the first one... That either, really the, either the first one that you kind interested? of obsessed over or the one that you've been obsessed with the longest or anything like that. Oh, man. Or I mean, most. that's really hard because I have... I went through a period of time where I watched... I probably did freak out my boyfriend because I watched nothing but serial killer oh, yeah. documentaries for oh, yeah. uh, a really long time. And I think, honestly, it's probably... What wants to pop into my head, and I know it wasn't the first one that I was obsessed with, but what yeah. wants to pop into my head is Bundy. Like, Bundy yeah. is the one that is fascinating to me because... I look exactly like all of Bundy's victims. It's like brown hair, parted down the middle. Yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah, well... Well, he's um, dead, but anyways. But yeah, I find I find a killer like that fascinating Yeah, because he's so... He was really good looking. I don't even find him to be really good oh, looking, I but good looking. I thought he was just... Normal looking and, yeah. and charming and yeah. probably a guy that I would have wanted to talk to at a party. Right. You know, and Very, it's that like Yeah. Enticing. Yeah. Did you read A Stranger Beside Me? I have not yet. No. Oh, it's so I good. I know it is. I know it's it is. So good. Mine has been the Manson murders and not so much the murders itself, but more the whole like culture around it. I've been interested in it for a really long time and a couple of years ago I went really in depth and I listened to this great like I think it was like a 10 part series on the podcast mm-hmm. you must remember this. I, I listened to that too. Yeah and how it was more about like the culture surrounding it and everything and not just about the murders but yeah there was something really fascinating because I'm kind of a psychology nerd as well about the psychology of cults and um, of him and mostly the girls, though. Not even so much about him, but more yeah. so, like, people See, that followed if, him. See, if we're going to go cults, then I'm more of, like, a Jonestown okay. girl. If we're yeah. gonna, If we're talking cults, you know yeah. what I mean? Because Manson, to me, always seemed, like, so pathetic. That I was just yeah. like, fucking, why that guy? But, he was, <laughs> but it was like the, it was the easiest, like, first one for me to yeah, really yeah. get, like, well, I'm not judging your choice. Onto. I mean, I felt a little... I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And as I was kind of doing research for this episode, I kind of was getting curious about 
the women that fall for these men in real life or like when they're in jail and before and things like that and kind of the arousal that can go around true crime as well kind of flipping it from not how you and I are interested but how some people take it a little too far so I want to talk about that at some point yeah. in this episode. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I used to watch that Prison Wives show and I was just like I don't this I don't I don't get. But we can yeah. talk about that um, yeah. a little later on. But so we kind of wanted to, you know, just uh, we've already started to kind of dive into why women are more likely than men. But I wanted yeah. to do just a little bit of statistics here. So tell me men are four times more likely to be homicide victims. So they are more likely to be homicide victims. However, women comprise 70 percent of victims killed by an intimate partner. And that's twice the rate of men. So mm-hmm. women comprise 70 percent. Mm hmm. We are more more likely to be killed by our husbands or boyfriends yeah. or family members, and we're also more likely to be the victims of sexual crimes yes. and uh, you know random violent crimes. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a big part as to why we are interested because for men, their crimes or their deaths, uh, homicides are more likely to be drug related or yeah. ga- or gang related or maybe impersonal. You know, more yeah, yeah. They're violent deaths, so they have oh, to be. I mean, they're they're homicides, but they're more often attributed to drugs or gang violence, okay. and less likely to be the subject of random acts of violence or sexual yes. based violence. Yes. So, I mean, there's a, there's that old saying all the time. Whenever you start watching Dateline, and it's like. Susie was a beautiful person, and, you know, animals talked to her, and (laughs) she was like a Disney princess. And came and cleaned her house for her while she whistled. And she married Steve, and Steve was a doctor, and immediately you're like, the husband did it, he did did it. it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But there is something to be said for that, and I think that's why. Because it happens. There's a reason that it's a trope, because it happens so often. It's like, that's the scariest thing to me that I thought about, like... He was the sweetest guy. He was handsome. Yeah. He had a good job. And he treated me so well until we got married until, and it all changed. Until he didn't. Yeah. I remember watching, I watched the um, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Did you ever watch that no. show on um, uh, Investigate Discovery on ID? There's a show called Who the Bleep Did I Marry? And usually it's like, oh, yeah, he had tax fraud or whatever. Yeah. But one time it was the wife of the Green River Killer. And I was like, oh, my God, I felt so bad for this woman. Yeah, I wonder about the East Area Rapist wife Family. or ex-wife. Yeah. Like, that's something to me that blew my mind when they caught him this year where I was just like, what is going on with them right now? Like, did they know? Were there signs? Well, like, BTK's wife, too. Yeah. And, and family. Like, they didn't know. Yeah. You know, and so and I just like, feel... And did you really not? Like, it's just, it's such a weird thing. Like, I, don't I wanna, believe I don't it. want a victim blame, but I feel like, I wonder if there's some wives, especially out there, who, like... Were they complicit? I don't know. I'm I not saying. I mean, I'm not seeing either of those cases. Of, of I'm just course, saying in general. I believe that there are instances where people knew more than yeah. they, you know, let on. Yeah. Or wanted to admit, but I also do believe that we're talking about, you know, psychopaths, sociopaths, yes. people very capable of like hiding themselves. Have you seen Hounds of Love? Yes. I love that movie. It's it's based on uh, the Bernies. Thank you. I was trying to remember yeah. the the real story that it David was based and on. Catherine Bernie. Yeah, yeah, but I showed that trailer to my friend last night, and he was just like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "It's such a good movie, but it's so fucked up." Well, and that happens all the time, like killer yeah. couples. But I did so. In my other podcast, my worst date, we do a segment called um, "Crazy in Love" at the end. Yeah, and usually it's violence one way or the other that has to do with um, dating or love. Mm -hmm. 
or obsession, mm-hmm. etc. But one time I, I actually did the Bernies. Like mm-hmm. I did David and Catherine Bernie. And I think that those are also interesting to talk about because it's still an interesting look at what happens when couples get together and the ways yeah. in which like sometimes men, sometimes women are able to manipulate relationships. Yeah. Um, because it's like, well, they're both, they both obvi- obviously have something in them, but what would have happened if neither one of them had met each other? Yeah. That's how you know? I felt when I read J.C. Dugard's memoir. Because it was interesting, um, her captor's wife. That's another thing. I've always been really, because I'm so scared, I've always been really fascinated by abduction stories. I've read a lot of those books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously those women are are culpable. Like, you know, you were complicit. You're completely culpable in this situation. Yeah. But... They always try to say that they weren't, though. I should say just women. They're brainwashed or whatever, but... but, They'll usually, like, blame each other. Yeah, but, I mean... It doesn't matter. If you yeah. if you held a woman for 20 years, you're going down for that shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, okay, so there's another statistic that comes from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention that says nearly 44% of American women have experienced some form. I would hazard that this is even higher. 44% of American women have experienced some form of contact sexual violence in their lifetime. Oh, my God. It's way more than that. I think it's way more, but how do you... Yeah. Measure this kind I'm of. I'm sure statistic. there's a lot of people too who have experienced it and maybe don't don't, don't realize say, that that's or, what that yeah, was. Yeah, I feel like that's a really hard statistic. To right, and end up. as we are seeing now in our culture right now, like with the why I didn't report hashtag, I think yeah. a lot of times you don't realize that something that you experienced, maybe it started with consent and it went too far, and yeah. you don't categorize that as being sexual violence, or you, yeah. or you say it was your, fa- you think it's your fault. Or, um, you know, something like that. Yeah. So you might not report it. Mm -hmm. So nearly 44% of American women have experienced some form of contact sexual violence in their lifetime and reported some form of impact ranging from injury and fearfulness to missing work or school or experienced symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. So there is an argument out there that consuming true crime and exposing yourself is a way of coping. Yes. With... It's a way to feel less alone. It's a way yeah. to cope. Well, and they do say that empathy also has a lot to do with it um, because I feel like even if you haven't been through something, there's something about women seeing stories of other women going through that where it's like we feel it there because we know the risk right. and the chances of it possibly happening to us. We have we do have that innate fear, so we have that like empathy right. where it is kind of like it's almost cathartic yeah. to, fe- to feel that and have such a a reaction yeah. to it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make you happy, but like no. it does but it is a good like thing to experience. Well, I, I mean it's it's a reason why these these me too hashtags and these why I didn't report hashtags. There's a yeah. reason why even though living in the environment that we're living in now can feel re-traumatizing. Yeah. It can also feel empowering in yes. a way of saying like and cleansing. Yeah, uh, yeah, and being like I don't go. I don't have to go through this by myself, and I'm not the only one that this happens to. Exactly. You know, and everybody is afraid. The fact that we have yeah. those hashtags, even though things are going to shit, makes mm-hmm. me feel better. Um, I've read that we also really like watching seeing criminals get caught. There's yes. like a satisfaction, yes. like especially if you're watching something that's similar to what you've gone through, or you knew someone like that. Where again, it can be very healing because it's like, or even if you've had, like, what was I reading where it was like. You know, if you're really 
hateful and mad and wish something bad upon someone who's done something to you, mm-hmm. you're not going to go out and kill somebody. But seeing somebody else, seeing some other woman, like, on Snap right. or whatever, like, lose it and kill the guy that raped her, there's something in you where it's like, okay, It's a release. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a pressure valve gets left off, yeah. let off a little bit, and yeah. you can kind of, like, release a little bit of those feelings. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we're also not socialized to be violent. We're not right. socialized to be angry. So when we can see that through somebody else and through another woman, it, it almost feels like it's us doing it. Right. And we feel a, a sense of redemption. And there. I'm sure, I don't know about chemicals in the brain or anything like that, but I'm sure that there are some kind of like endorphins or whatever that are released anytime you see justice done on TV. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. same way you feel this like crazy frustration when something feels very unjust, like yeah. the way people feel about... Um, Casey Anthony, for instance, you know, like how frustrating that is. Yeah. There is also something, such a relief, and I'm sure like a release of like endorphins in your brain, happy chemicals, whenever something some justice but happens. But it's even when the justice isn't necessarily a good thing because it's like, I feel like most people would think it's crazy to be like, she killed her husband who was raping her and they're like you, you wouldn't want to say like and that made me feel a sense of like justice but it does there are people well, who have gone through really violent awful things where I, seeing that is like I'm not going to do it myself but like seeing that story unfold I think we talked about this with Lorena Bobbitt where yeah, it's like that's what I was just thinking of I, when I was talking to yeah like I don't I don't think it's good. I don't think you should ever chop anyone's dick off. No, but it's but, seeing those stories and, like... Well, it's because we are so... I, th- I really do feel like it comes from a place of, like, we are so often... Look at... I mean, it fits so perfectly with what's happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We are so often let down by our justice system. Mm-hmm. Lorena Bobbitt was let down, yeah. right? Like, she was completely let down. So, yeah, don't cut off your husband's dick. But at the same time men or a man like John Wayne Bobbitt feels so emboldened yeah. to have done what he did that thinking like, well, that there wouldn't be any consequences. So yeah. the fact that she took it upon herself to dole out some consequences, yeah. it was satisfying in a yeah, way. You know, exactly. Like, it's, like, again, not condoning to right, kill anyone or cut off anyone's penis. Of I'm course. just saying there is some sort of some form of satisfaction that can happen through Yeah. And obviously we're not alone because, like, as we saw last year, I remember last year when it was announced, I was like, that makes so much sense. Or, like, the year before, in the last few years. What is it? Whenever Oxygen, the Oxygen Network, went from being a, like, kind of lifetime-esque women's network to being like, we're going to do nothing but true crime all the time. Like, they used to show things like the Bad Girls Club and, like, all of these, like, kind of what were supposed to be women-focused reality TV shows and things like that. And they're like, like wait, that. women is, aren't involved in this anymore. Like, they're involved in this, so or, we have or to, they, like, now yeah, they, they They'll watch Bad Girls Club, but they'll watch Snapped Marathons all fucking day. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? So they just completely shifted gears, rebranded their entire channel to be yeah. a true crime station, which is... I mean, that that speaks volumes. It's a woman's-based true crime station. I love it. You know? And there's so many... I mean, talking about the ID channel, there's so many, like... Uh, shows that are surrounding women. Yeah, killer women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is what is another one? There's another one that's... I there's... I, I mean... I don't have cable, so I don't know, but my mom talks. She I, watches all of them. ID has a show... Has weirdly specific shows. They're like, so specific. Yeah, they have weirdly specific shows for, like, every way that you could kill somebody. I know. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> oh I'm God, sure they crazy. have a number devoted to women in general. Yeah. Something that's interesting to me that I read was that true crime 
fiction even and nonfiction can take seriously the things that broader culture looks down upon. Um, especially what was interesting to me is when they talk about mothers killing their children, which is something that I have a really hard time with, but it helps expose certain psychological issues yes. that need to be confronted. And that, uh, so for, let's like, for a woman who's um, having postpartum depression so or postpartum psychosis. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, you can learn about the warning signs for your loved ones and in yourself. You can know that you're not completely alone. Like, I mean, if you are thinking about killing your child, obviously that's something that you need to like confront and that's not like, okay. Like it's not normalizing the situation, but it is bringing forth certain psychological issues that you may not have been discussing otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Really I mean, I remember the first time I really watched like a documentary and really started looking into the Andrea Yates case, mm -hmm. which is the woman who drowned like all five of her yep. kids in a bathtub and uh, in Texas. And I remember thinking like the first time I heard that story, of course, I was just like, this is an evil person. Fuck this woman. Yeah. What a horrible monster. And then when I started looking into it, I'm like, oh my God, like this was a woman who had postpartum psychosis. Yeah. Who was showing signs for a really long time. Yeah. Whose doctor told her husband, like, we can't have any more, like, you guys do not need to have any more children, don't have any more children. Yeah. And because they were fundamentalist Christians, kept they popping kept out kids, yeah. you know? And that was the result of that. And yeah. I remember once I learned that. Of course, what she did was awful, yeah. but she wasn't in her right mind. And it yeah. did open up this idea of an illness that I had no conception of before. Exactly. You know, and I, something that I'm sure women have been dealing with forever and feeling like monsters themselves for maybe not feeling a connection with your newborn baby that you're supposed to love and obsess over and things like that. So or, now that like, there's a conversation. Because postpartum depression is, I'm not belittling it at all because that can. It's very real, and it's yeah. very it's it can be really awful. I didn't even know postpartum psychosis was a thing where yeah. it can literally make you psychotic. Yeah. Like you can actually snap, Lose it. you know, yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. And then you're really not in control of what you do after exactly. that. You know, so exactly. And there's also something that I was reading about where like women who feel like trapped in their domestic lives and things like that. Like it's a way for like women to learn about certain, like, warning signs and manipulation of, like, your partner and mm -hmm. um, learn about, like, ways that you're in your own life that you're unhappy and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I think looking into true crime, whenever I started to get really, really interested in true crime, it did kind of... When you start watching these shows about stalking and you start watching these shows about, like, obsessive, controlling uh, boyfriends, I think it does kind of give you a new idea of what to look out for yes. in a society that kind of tells us that a lot of that behavior is normal. Yeah, especially with, like, my God, like, you think about meeting people online, the internet generation, and, like, you think about everybody that's on dating apps. Mm -hmm. Like, I could not meet somebody off a dating app. It would horrify me. There's something that just scares me. It's stranger danger. Like, I was in a relationship before, like, that became a big thing. So, like, that's not, like, a normal thing I've never, I've never dated on a dating app, yeah, no. it just, like, doesn't that, like, sound really scary to it you, though? It sounds, oh, well, I know it's terrifying. I mean, not to keep hearkening back, but, yeah, I have a dating podcast. No, I know, so, but, like, and that's the thing is, it's, like, I couldn't just, like, go on a dating app and... No, I mean, and we've gotten emails... I've read things, I think, in the most recent episode uh, that we just put out. Yeah. There was one that was, like, one of the stories was 
I was like, honey, that's assault. Like, mm-hmm. that's he. That's scary. You know what I it's mean? It's horrifying because you don't know what you're going to get. You're basing it off of, like, an online persona and a photo. Like, that's just asking to be catfish. Like, there's a lot of things that are just, like, really horrifying. Well, I mean, and that's why... You know, listening to true crime podcasts, listening to, you know, my dating podcast, listening to these things. Yeah. There are safeguards that you yes. can you can put in place. Yeah, like you text try, your friends and say text your friends where I am. Meet in a public location. Never yep. never have him pick you up from your house. Don't yeah. have him come to your house until Don't you get in his know car. him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's just so many things that like are horrible. Even even in public places that just that still scares me. There's something that's still like but we know these things now. Do you know what I, I yeah. mean? So it's like it's it's not the same as you listen again to these true crime podcasts and it's amazing how many of these deaths start with well she was hitchhiking. Yeah. And you're like our society evolves so much that yeah. now we know yeah. we can't oh, do that. Oh, my mom used to hitchhike all the time. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was such a part of normal culture. Yeah. And I feel like through the prevalence of a 24-hour news cycle, through seeing the terrible things that happened, particularly to women all yeah. the time, it has changed our culture. It's changed yeah. our mindset about, like, the way that things are supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? Or what we can and can't do safely. Yeah. So... I think it's really beneficial. You know, I do too. In I, that com- way. I completely think that it's beneficial. I mean, I think you can take it too far. Like, definitely, my grandma and she had her reasons, and I totally get it. But she totally took it to a place that was like, the world is unsafe and scary, uh, and bars on the windows. Yeah, and, it, it you know. depends. It depends on how you how you look at it. Right. Um, should I talk about the women who get turned on by true crime? Ugh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm not going to get into like the whole sexual thing because that's a whole other. I mean, can of worms. You, I mean, we might as well because it's an interesting. It's fascinating phenomenon. So a while ago, I was reading this book called. It's just called Columbine, and it's all about the Columbine shootings. And I like to go on Tumblr, Reddit, Google, all my different like platforms, and mm-hmm. look for any information that I possibly can to know as much as I can about all of those things. If you go on Tumblr and look through any of the Columbine stuff, there are these young girls and girls like my age who think that they're, like, hot and are like, oh, poor babies need to be protected and blah, blah, blah of the two killers. Well, you'll see that all the time. I mean, we saw that with the Parkland shooting. Yeah. You know? Like... Yeah. And you see that again. You saw Ted Bundy got engaged during his trial. Yeah. I I have that written down. There's a lot of... um, Manson had a... Uh, like a fiance, I guess, but they're. I thought they got married, but I guess their marriage license ran out because um, it was rumored that uh, this woman she wanted to display his name? body. She or wanted, something? yeah, her name is Elaine Afton. Elaine Burton wanted to display his body for profit after his death. I mean, I don't think that was like confirmed, but like that sounds like a pretty legitimate thing that could have happened. Yeah, no, I think I think that that was the case. Yeah, that's yeah, what she he found out broke it up. But there's something called, and I'm gonna say this wrong. Hybristophilia. Hybristophilia. But they also call it the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome, which is a sexual disorder in which arousal is contingent on being with a partner who has committed an outrage such as murder, rape, or torture. And that is from Catherine uh, Ramsland from the article. I find I it interesting that it would, be, it would be called Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Yeah. Because to me, it doesn't seem They're like... it doesn't. Well, it doesn't seem like... They seem different, right? Because, yeah. like... You have, for instance, the women who... Richard Ramirez did some of the worst things mm-hmm. imaginable. And you have these have women who are super, super 
interested in him, trying yeah. trying to be with him because they find him to be really attractive. Yeah. And then you have, I think Bonnie and Clyde is a completely different situation. Like, yeah. I think that's they two people. They were both people, kind of complicit and they were both criminals. Yes, they got off yeah. on being criminals together, not yeah. just being with someone who was a criminal. I think well, that's different. And they say that a lot of times these are women who have had rough childhoods. I'm trying to find... Uh, there is an author named Sheila Eisenberg who wrote a book called Women Who Love Men Who Kill. And she was saying how a lot of these women believe that they can, like, reform them. Yeah. That they see the, see the real person. And also that they usually have had really troubled childhoods and obviously a very distorted view of what love is. I think it's kind of that why do women love bad boys thing to an extreme. Yeah. Like, to, to, a, an extreme. to an extreme. But also they say that these women also feel a sense of control in their lives that they may have never felt before because they are with somebody who cannot leave. Right. Like they have control over that situation because they're the free ones and they're the ones who are right. like yeah. captive. Yeah, somewhere. absolutely. Like I think so. that that's a, a huge part of it. I also do think that like it, it's such a trope that women want to fix, right? Like, yeah. we want to fix the men that we're with. Yeah. Like, that's why women get with damaged boys. Because right. we think that we're the only ones who can save them, right? And like, we're the only ones to see who they really yes, are. Yes, and they well, have I mean, a beautiful soul. we can blame, soul. like, the media Absolutely. for that. I mean, Movies, I think God. a ton of this is conditioning. I think yeah. a ton of it is societal conditioning on, on our part, yeah. you know? Um, framing it. To be like you are his saving grace, and like you can you can fix him, and, and you have can you see his be the most spirit. important person in his life, right. and to and, and if you can fix Richard Ramirez, right, you are like notorious. Yeah, that or, is a life changing yeah. thing. And then some of them also are like, can I get a movie deal or a book deal? Yeah, out of this for, I mean, there are definitely people who have ulterior oh, yeah. motives. But I mean, if you watch that like prison wives show, I have no doubt that probably a very significant percentage of them actually love the person that they're with. Like they they feel yeah. like they love and understand exactly. that person. Exactly. You know, but it's toxic. It's so toxic. It's horrifying. But it's something that happens all the time and it's something that like there is a lot of fetishizing in the true crime community. Oh, for sure. That's uncomfortable. So uncomfortable mm-hmm. and so awful and exploitative and like I remember creepy. being in the My Favorite Murder Facebook group before it got shut down and there being posts that were like Overall, my experience in that group was good, but yeah. there would be posts that would go through where debates would break out in the comment section about, like, whether or not the post was okay. I just think you are, like, the comment section girl. I very seldomly... I don't even go on Facebook that much anymore because it's just too much for me. I have to kind of, like, keep myself safe a little bit and, like, guard myself. But I can't go into those comment sections or else I just get pissed. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a fine line. I think you need to protect yourself online, for sure. I think I'm beyond... I used to go into the comment sections of things that I knew were going to be awful. Right. And I definitely don't do that anymore. But I do think that there is a line... Because I think it's also important to realize and recognize right. that, like... But I'm also on so many social media platforms, I feel. Like, yeah, so Instagram is kind of my main. So it's like, I'll do that kind of stuff with Instagram. I had to kind of take a break from Facebook. Like, I don't know. There's something for me. No, I'm not I'm like, not judging at all. I'm just saying, like, to me... Like, to me, it was important to go into those, like, My Favorite Murder 
comment yeah. sections and look because now we can just go into our own comment sections. Right. And, and it's awful. Wanna cry. Yeah, it's terrible. But it was interesting to see the span or I guess like the differences in the true crime community, you know, and what yeah. people thought was acceptable and not How acceptable pe- because... What people take away from certain stories. There's And it's also just, there's such a fine line between being interested in true crime and it being disrespectful to victims. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. I think if you start idolizing serial killers or you start glorifying or you start then it starts to feel icky but it's also kind of like well where is that line where's the line between being just fascinated and interested yeah and being i think that there is i think that there are lines and i think yeah. that for people like you and i it's very clear for us to see those lines but for ourselves yeah right and and just in general too or we can see something and be like okay that's too far but like, like for, for instance one of the things on the My Favorite Murder Facebook page, and this is applicable because it's October, Halloween costumes. Where's the line? I was just going to tell... Okay, so last year I made a Halloween costume, and I, I think I'm going to go as it this year. I made this really cool Manson girl costume. Mm-hmm. It was a white dress, and I had taken red paint and wrote Helter Skelter on it in the way that it was spelled on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it was something, and then I had, like, like blood marks, and I got it dirty and kind of cut it up and, like, made it look really scary. Like, not to really look like any of the Manson girls specifically, but just kind of a representation of In general, of that. cult member. And it's something that I kind of wrestled with. I ended up not doing anything for Halloween last year, but I'm, I'm still wrestling with whether or not it's, like, cool and interesting or disrespectful. I think this is where the line goes. I've seen costumes of people dressing up as Sharon Tate and Charles Manson, which I think is disrespectful, or of or of like, like Sharon Tate with like all like bloody. And- I think victims are off limits. Like yeah. that was part of the debate was like someone. There were a lot of costumes that were like um, John Benet Ramsey costumes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to me, I think that that's really distasteful. And or even like I feel like with John Benet Ramsey because that's the story of a child who was killed. Like if you're going as the brother, I, I don't know. There's to something, me, like, any victim. I, I mean, I just yeah. think you stay away from victims. I yeah. just don't think that. And people, but people want to have that debate. Like, is it honoring a victim? If no. you go as them, and but, I don't, but think, they will argue with you about about that. And to uh, me, I I don't feel that at all. I feel like it's no, disrespectful. because I feel like a Halloween costume. If you're looking at like things like a cultural appropriation as well, like it just seems like it's it's a costume. Right. You know what I mean? It's something that is made to be. It feels like you're glorifying their death in a way because that's yes. why they're that's why you're going as them is because they died For horrifically. Me, yeah. I'm like this is something that I'm fucking horrified of, and I'm gonna go as a scary person because these people are horrifying. Yeah, I you don't. Know? Think I, I don't think I have a problem with with that. Right. Well, and a lot of people aren't even going to get it, which I always enjoy when I'm a costume and people are mm-hmm. like, what? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that serial killer culture is interesting. Yeah. Like, well, I just played, uh, we went to go get drinks on Saturday night, uh, last Saturday night, and there was a serial killer trivia board game. Yeah. And I played it, and it was fun. Yeah. And because I know a lot about serial killers, so yeah. it was good, but there was also this line, like, is this... Yeah. Is this icky? And, and, it'd be, and it would be interesting, there's certain... Uh, ways, I feel like, where it would be more appropriate than others. Like, I feel like a funny Ted Bundy costume would be to dress in, like, a polo and have, like, crushes on you. You know what I mean? I think I would stay away from killers, too. I don't know. I think that I would... I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's like, where's that line? I would appreciate the reference because I would get it. 
Right. I would get it too, but then but I then always... But then it is turning it to like, you never know who you're going to see or things like that. You don't want to like... And you're turning... Anybody. I mean, he is a celebrity, but there's almost something icky about saying that. Yeah. You know, like... He is I a celebrity, but he is. I know. I wouldn't. I would never really say that. I guess. But, but that's he, true. He's famous. He's yeah, pop culturally he known, and that's why you would go ask him for Halloween. But, but is that okay? It's like a weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer. I feel like we each have our own lines. And yes. we do have to be aware. Yes. Like, just be sensitive. If you're gonna run into somebody, that's the thing for me. Is like, would you want to see a victim or a family member of the victim and have to explain yourself? Things right. like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's everyone draws their lines, you know, differently. Yeah. We've talked about that in the past about other things. Like, where you draw your line is your own. But just be sensitive. And yes. don't be upset if someone don't else get is... Don't get defensive. If someone else gets upset, you have to just say, you know, like, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And I've learned from that. And, like, I'll, I'll move forward. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of... It's just an interesting question to pose as two yeah. people... You know, sitting in a closet who love true crime. Yeah. Like, what's the answer? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Keegan. I don't what know. Is it? So, there was an Atlantic article recently, and they specifically focused on the podcast My Favorite Murder, which yeah. both you and I have seen live. We love that podcast. It's a comedy true crime podcast. Sounds weird. If you guys haven't um, checked it out and you're interested in true crime, who hasn't checked out My Favorite Murder? I don't murder? know. I'm sure That's people the thing exist. That, like, whenever I, like, I'm talking to you about podcasts. They're like, oh, what do you listen to? And I'm always just like, my favorite murder. I know everybody listens to it. Everybody, but... well, I mean, for the most part, but like some people don't. I've definitely turned some people on to my favorite murder who yeah. who hadn't listened to it before. Right. So if you haven't, you know, that's what that is, true crime murder podcast. And there was a recent Atlantic article that attributed women's interest in my favorite murder and other similar media to what is called the quote-unquote shadow hypothesis. What is that? That is the idea that the fear of sexual assault pervades women's thinking and makes us more fearful generally, which we know that. That sounds <laughs> I mean, like a duh. It is a duh. It is a duh. <laughs> but it's, you know, we... I just shared something to my Facebook, and I think you did as well, of the list of things that women think about when yeah. we go out to... Pre- and then men are like, I don't know, I don't think about it. Right. Like yeah. the, the list of things that women think about to protect themselves against sexual assault or violence anytime they're out, and it's a very long list, and there's only one thing on the men's side, and it's either I don't think about it, or if there is anything on that list, it's the thing I do to protect myself against sexual assault is not go to jail. Those are the things on the men's list, right? So women live with this shadow hypothesis, this idea that there's a fear of sexual assault and it it pervades our thinking and makes us more fearful. Um, While it is unlikely that we or someone we know will be murdered by a stranger, it is very likely that we or someone we know will be subjected to sexual violence from an intimate partner. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken about this on the show before. I can't think of one friend of mine, female friend, who hasn't told me some story of some situation where they have experienced some sort of sexual violence. Right. And if you have not, if you're a woman listening to this and you have not, and you maybe think, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, if this is your mindset, but you maybe think that women are being overly dramatic in a time like this or exaggerating, just know that if you've never experienced sexual violence or sexual assault, you are the exception. Yes. You are not the rule. And you are only the exception because you are extremely lucky. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's no, there, there really, you know, there are things that we learn through our love of true crime that can help us pre- be preventative and uh, warning signs and things like that. But I feel like also there is such an innate uh, need to please or to be polite and right. things like that, where sometimes, like, even though you know these things, if you are in fear, you're going to just suppress the situation as much as you can to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes well, it's, I mean, it's hard to fight. It's crazy because look at what's going on right now. Yeah. All right. So we are recording this October 3rd. October 3rd. It is after the Kavanaugh Ford hearings, but it is before we have the um, confirmation or not. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. But kind of look at where we're at right now. Look at people being like, um, I feel so bad for men right now. It's a yeah. dangerous time to be a man. It's a dangerous time for men, Donald so Trump. So they're constantly trying to drive home in our brains that we should not be afraid of men. So that if a man asks you to help him with something, even though your initial instinct might be danger, 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 you suppress that because you say, well, not all men are not all men are sexual predators. Right. It's, it's trying to like reteach our thinking of... Like almost victimizing the man to be like, oh well, I really shouldn't. There's something on, say no yes. because I don't want him to think that, that I'm I think, thinking that he's a sexual right. Predator. Yes, so we push that down. I I mean I'm different now, but I was number one. I you know to put myself in dangerous positions, and all a man had to do would be like, come over here. I want to ask you a question. I know it's really and it hard. was my instinct, and I did it, and I put myself in crazy, oh, I've done it many dangerous times. situations just from a man being like, "Hey, come over here. I want to ask you a question." Yeah, you go because even if everything in your body is saying flight, like run See, away. For me, it's like even if, but if I run away, I feel like a. I'm going to look stupid, which is dumb. Nobody cares. But B, it's like, what if by me reacting so strongly makes the situation worse? Oh, I think that all the time, too. I think that when I'm in a a bad situation, but I've definitely been in a place where, like, I could have just ignored Uh and I've gone instead. Yeah. And I think that that is this urge to be polite and liked and likable and, you know, you want to be amenable in every way possible because... Uh women are only desirable if we're sweet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely the other side of that coin. Every woman has also been in that situation where you're nice because if you tell a man to fuck off, you know that it would make it worse. Yeah. You know, every woman has also been in that situation. There's a line. It's like, how are you able to be, you know, impolite... And to say no and things like that without it enticing them more to escal- to escalate the situation. Right. I mean, this is the thing that frustrated me when the whole Aziz Ansari situation happened yeah. because so many people were like, and look, I didn't like the way that that was handled at all. No, We've talked about that. We were going to do an episode about it, which we probably still will at some point. But like, the thing that really bugged me though was people being like, well, she could have just got up and left. I know, but they always and say that. And like, if you, you are in a situation like that, the power is You is don't different. know what will happen. Sometimes it feels safer just to go along with something. Yeah, and it, or it just feels safer as somebody who has experienced a lot of sexual violence in a relationship. It almost feels easier to dissociate. Right. Well, and then I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to go to another place and I'm going to let this thing happen to me because it's easier than me fighting it off or starting a fight or making it because it's just well, it gets not, too messy in not your only, head and it makes you scared. Not only easier, but also safer because it's like 
if you were to assert yourself, maybe that then triggers him to be violent. To be violent. To make it more than just, I shouldn't say just, but more than a sexual sexual assault. assault. Right. What if by me saying no or me being aggressive in any sort of way... It's worse for me. Because they say, you know, men don't like to be humiliated. Men don't like... There's certain things where it's like... And you're in his space. Yeah. Right? Like, like just taking the Aziz Ansari situation as as an example. Yeah. She was in his space. She went up with him. Your brain goes into a lot of places that make you think you have to weigh between, like... How bad would it be if I just dealt with this and got out as soon as possible? Or how bad would it be if I asserted myself, run the risk of making him angry, and try and leave? See, yeah, it's a thing of confrontation. Like, most women that you'll speak to are like, oh, I hate confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Because it's scary. It's so scary, especially when it comes to... Um, I was going to say men and women, but I think any any sort of power imbalance, you know, we look at, like, Kevin Spacey and the young boys that he right. used. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, that. it doesn't matter that those were other men. Like, that is a There's power, a power imbalance, yes. Yeah, and it's, you still feel a sense of helplessness and fear. And I feel like especially, like... Because men aren't as involved in the true crime community, maybe it's just like, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Maybe they don't have those instincts in the back of their minds of what they're supposed to do or react. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting. It would be interesting to, like, speak with someone who's kind of been through that and what their thought process was like during that experience. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to hear from men who have been um, subjects of either sexual violence or any other kind of... Yeah, because like, I wonder if they would feel a sense of, like, it's not going to happen to me because I'm a guy. Or if it does... I, I certainly think that they feel like if it does, you... There's so much shame. There's Because there's so much shame with women. There's so much shame there's with so sexual violence. There's so much shame with men. But there has to be... A different kind of shame, like with men, right? Because when you look at toxic masculinity, it it can be against women, but especially when it comes to men, because you're both trying to remain society's norm of masculine in that situation. Where it's like if you admit, because there's some, oh that's gay, oh that's right. you know things like that, where. If you admit to something happening, that, like, somehow that makes you less of a you man. You less of a man, because also, like, you shouldn't have let that happen to you. You should yeah. have been stronger. You should have been able to stop it. Right. You should have, you know, like, there's a million things that are um, really toxic, and I know that that's also on our list to do, is the way that toxic masculinity affects our, our boys and yeah. and the men in our culture, and yeah. how, like, that's it's not okay. Yeah. And that's why feminism is for both men and women. Exactly. You know? But to kind of... To kind of bring this back a little bit to to women in true crime, I mm-hmm. feel like, for me at least, not not only true crime and being really involved in that, and, but also just getting older. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of both of those things and growing into myself yeah. as a person because I think you, you are more likely, more naive when you're younger. But I do think true crime has played a part in my feeling stronger. Yeah. And feeling more like I can trust my instincts. Well, and think about this. Like, yes, you were talking about how you would watch TV shows with your mom and your grandma, and you did kind of grow up around it. I did, too. But there is something different about being independent and looking into these stories and reading them that you typically wouldn't do until you're older anyways. Right. So there is something that, you know, I'm not saying... 
scare your kids. Like, I was having a conversation tonight with the boy that I babysit for about Stranger Danger. They were talking to him at school, and he just shuts down. He doesn't want to talk about it. He, like, runs away screaming. He's like, no, I don't want to talk about scary stuff. And it's like, you have to have that conversation, but it's different when you're older and you're looking at those stories yourself Mm -hmm. and starting to apply that to you. And I think it's different when... When you're young, I feel like maybe you haven't had the experiences yet. Yeah. When you get older, and this is so shitty and sad, uh, but when you are older, as women, sadly, more likely than not, you've already experienced some form form. of assault or harassment or sexual violence. I mean, I just remember, I have, like, such a memory of being in, like, fifth grade music class and, like, wearing a training bra way before I needed it and some guy, like, snapping my... Oh, that was a big thing in middle school. Yeah, that was a huge thing. But, I mean, so the older you get, the more you've probably experienced some overt form of sexual violence or harassment or assault. Yeah. And now you're able to apply it to your life, and you're able to, like, really see... That, why it's important. Yes. Why it's important. Yes. You should have trusted your instincts. Yeah. There's something really interesting that I want to say that I've remembered since I was a kid where I feel like this is something that I'm going to tell my kid one day. That there was, like, a code word thing that you'd use, um, like, between your parents, where it's, like, if I'm going to have somebody else pick you up from school, they're going to say this word. And if they don't, don't go with them. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I just remember learning about that when I was really, like, probably in, like, second or third mm-hmm. grade, and, like, always remembering that and telling my mom that, like, elephant was our word. And if they didn't say elephant, that I wouldn't get in the car. Yeah. I, I don't think we ever had a code word. You know what's funny, though, is, like, my dad used to tell me when I was really little, I mean, like... My dad used to tell me that if anything were happening to me, to not just scream... um, Yell fire? Yell fire. She's like, don't yell rape, don't just scream. Yell fire, because it's the only thing that's going to get people to come out and take a look. You know what I mean? How sad is that? It's so sad. It's so sad. I was Again, I was trying to teach that to the kid that I take care of, because he... Uh, these two boys were hitting him at school. It made me so fucking mad. But I was telling him because there was no there was no grown ups around. He had to tell a grown up after the fact. And I said, "You need to yell as loud as you can. Stop fire anything that you can to make them stop." And he's like, "But I don't want to be too loud. Like that's embarrassing." Right. And yeah. I'm like, "But you have to do it so that they will stop. If there is no way for you to defend yourself, yeah, that is the only way to do it. Especially, I mean, he's six. Like, if you're at school, there are going to be grown-ups around. If you start screaming tell at the top yell, of tell your Tell them to yell fire. That'll yeah. get them out there. But I did, I learned tonight that one of his friends was yelling really loud to try to get and him to stop. And there just wasn't and anyone ha- No, around. but that's how it stopped. Oh, that good. people heard. Good. And he was like, he didn't have to be so loud, though. And I'm like, yes, he no, did. he did. That's, that's a the good point. thing yes, to do. Yes, if anyone tries to get you. I mean, and something else that I did learn from the My Favorite Murder podcast that I had never thought of before, and I think maybe, maybe they were talking about Bundy. Oh, no, they were talking about another case, but... It's something that I never thought of when I was a child. Hmm. And it was, no adult is ever going to ask a child for help. Oh, yeah. You know, and and that was something I never, ever thought of. And that's something that we need to be teaching our kids. Well, also because, like, kids, I feel like, want to be helpful and, like, want to be grown up. Well, they don't know any any difference. So you have to tell your kids. And I think the same thing goes for for most women in the Bundy situation. It's like, because Bundy would wear a sling um, or have crutches and then be like, can you help me carry this box to my car? And that's how he would get women. That's so hard because I don't even know how I would react to that today. No. I would feel so guilty about not helping someone. Who's in a sling. But, but the thing is, 
that guy doesn't need to ask you for help. Like, yeah. he doesn't need to ask you, a lone woman, by yourself for help. Right. Like, there are... And this is where men need to be sensitive to the fact that women are always scared that something's going to happen to us. Yeah. If you do need help, don't ask the woman who's no. by herself in a parking lot. No. Because it's scary to us. Yeah. Don't... Catcalling is not a compliment, especially not if we are alone in an alley like happened to me. You know uh, what I mean? I'm, like, having, like, I guess as soon as yes. you said that, my heart started it's racing faster. scary. But that's, these are things, lessons that you can take away from these horrible, horrible things that happen to other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is why we're afraid. Right. This is why we alter our behavior. And this is why you should alter your behavior. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, it would be easier for us to know that if some guy is asking us for help, well, if every guy knows that you don't do that, you're like, okay, then this guy must be a bad guy. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, there's just... I just think that there are so many, like, important lessons, and I think that that's why women watch true crime, really, is, like, we're taking in lessons. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there, you know, of course, there's an entertaining factor to that. But yeah. But it's also, like, we want to see justice done. That's why I watch... SVU, you know, we want to see badass female characters who are empowered. Oh, and we want to see female detectives. We want to see female investigators. Olivia Benson? I know. Are you kidding me? It's like we want to see those women who are interested in things that aren't what, like, typical aren't, like, typical female jobs Mm -hmm. and be really good at it or be really kind of a hard-ass and tough. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like, gives younger kids and even older women permission to be a hard-ass or really smart. Right, and to and know that you can be and not have it be like a bad thing. Yeah, and to know that like you can be strong and you can get through situations and you can take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, and and there are more ways to take care of yourself than just physical force. There's yeah. a ton ton of ways in which steps you can take in which you can like protect yourself. Yeah. So and it's such a great like just talking about this with you right now is making me think about what a great community it does create because I feel like it opens up conversations like what we're having about our own experiences and our own fears specifically about things that I feel like a lot of times women would be interested in these stories but not want to share it in fear that other people were going to think it was strange and then when you do share those stories and you talk about how you have the same fears it makes you feel less alone right yeah it totally does validate you yeah and it does form a community I remember um in some of the MFM spinoff groups I'm in on Facebook, there was a hashtag going around for a while that was like, I'd look for you. Yeah. It was like, I would look for you. Yeah. And basically saying, like, if anything happened, I would look for you. You know, because... That's so beautiful. And it's women band... It's mostly women, and it's banding yeah. together in, and understanding that we live in a very scary world. <laughs> and it's good to know that there are other people there who understand that and yeah. and have your back and have the same feelings that oh, you have. Oh, and I know that I can text any of my girlfriends, especially the ones who are interested in true crime like I am, and I can express those fears that I have and have it not be an irrational thing or me creating something in my mind but have real conversations with people about my fears and have it be very validated. Right. And have someone to call if you're just walking alone in the dark and you, you know, you feel scared. Oh, yeah. I call you know? my mom all the time if I'm alone in the dark yeah. or my best friend. So I just moved to a new apartment and I'm living alone and I'm like adjusting to walking my dog alone at night and things like that. And luckily I, that was my one big thing about moving into a new neighborhood that I wanted to be a neighborhood that I felt safe walking Dorothy late at night. And, um, I, if I ever don't feel safe, I just call my mom or somebody else. And if not, I'll just take her out to the front lawn. If she doesn't do anything, I'm going right, right back. Yeah. I'd rather clean up a puddle in my, 
in my um she living room than she feel unsafe. She won't go though. That's the thing. It's like she will cry and cry and cry because she knows she's not supposed to go inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I first moved to LA, I was living in Koreatown in a very shady neighborhood. And my boyfriend at the time worked very late mm-hmm. and I would have to take the dog out by myself at night. Yeah. And it was very, very scary. Mm-hmm. It was very, because I was in a very shady neighborhood and yeah. people did try and talk to me. And it, it's very, you feel so unsafe. I just wish I could drive that home to people who don't get all of this, like, sexual assault talk that's happening right now and don't understand why women are so afraid. Mm-hmm. It's because we're on high alert at all times that, yeah. like, something bad could happen to us because it could. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, that's why I always appreciate, like, whenever I'm here and I leave, if I'm parked on the street, that, like, Keegan and her boyfriend will, like, walk me to the car or, like, make sure that I'm okay. But, like, I usually always call somebody... But it does make me feel good that I have those people where I don't feel crazy for being like, oh, can you walk me to my car or something? Yeah, nor you know? nor should you. Like, yeah. yeah, we live in a dangerous world. Well, but and people like, want to be brave and people want to put on a of course, face of course. Like I mean, and I I'm prideful and I will never ask like for anyone to do anything for me. But at what expense? You know what I mean? Because I am afraid. It's not like I'm yeah. not scared, but I also I never want to. I have that instinct. I don't want to inconvenience anybody. Exactly. I want to be like polite and like. Don't do that. Don't be yeah. me. Don't be me, listeners. Um, no, be Keegan. She's really awesome. <laughs> be like her. Be me in the good ways and not, <laughs> not in the prideful, stupid way. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed having this conversation. Me too. And, you know, true crime. We love true crime. We love it. And There's so I could go on and on about all the me different too. things that I watch and listen to and read about. Oh, God. Like, yeah. Like I freaking... I love a good true crime fiction story even like Mm -hmm. that's all I read yes I love true crime fiction what's your favorite okay what is your favorite like true crime reality like do you like a dateline do you like a 48 hours do you like a a forensic files no see I I'm very turned off on reenactments I don't like reenactments but Dateline doesn't do reenactments. I've never really gotten into Dateline. What about when I survived? I, <laughs> I like, well, this is the thing, you guys. So when I was living at home, I would watch some things with my mom sometimes, but I haven't had cable in like eight years. Yeah, okay. So I, I don't have access to a lot of these things regularly, so it needs to be someone like recommending something to me for me to watch it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like Netflix docuseries and documentaries. Oh, good. Things that are on Hulu. Um, even movies that are based on true stories. Have you seen the Jinx? Um, okay, so I'm gonna plug them hardcore because I love them so much. True oh, Crime True Crime Obsessed. Obsessed. They're doing it for their Patreon page. They're doing the Jinx next. Uh, and I'm gonna start watching it. Is it on? What is it on? It's on HBO. It. Okay, I have HBO. I can watch that. Watch the Jinx. It because is. Because I want to listen as. So good. I want to watch as I'm listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We wanted to do, like we said last week, we kind of wanted to do a mix of things that were scary for October. And, you know, last week we did witches, and this week we wanted to do something kind of more... Realistically um, scary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something that you should actually fear and kind of like why we're interested in something that's so scary. Mm -hmm. So we... Uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we have more things to come this month yes. that are kind of 
interesting, we hope. It's, this is a very fun month for me, research-wise. Oh, I've yeah. I've really been enjoying it. October's one of my favorite months in general. I Today know. actually felt kind of fall-like outside. I know. It's kind of, I'm wearing a long-sleeve shirt and mm-hmm. pants, guys, while I'm recording. This it was week, amazing. Keegan's not wearing a shirt. And I feel I, like No shirt, but jeans. You're wearing jeans. jeans. I'm wearing jeans and a long-sleeve shirt. Yeah. It's blowing my mind. Yeah. So, so And I'm not dying. I love it. <laughs> it was, like, really hot earlier this week, though. So it was hot earlier this week, but then it was cloudy all day today, so yeah. it felt cool out. That's why I bought red wine instead I of white it. wine, because it's, like, kind of more... We're heading into fall, winter. Yeah. We can do kind of, it's like, all the... all the state of mind. If you buy the wines. pumpkin spice and the bolder wines, it's going to mm-hmm. get cooler. Yeah. I'm, next step is uh, apple cider. It's coming next. <gasps> I want to make hard Apple cider. cider with whiskey. That's yeah, my favorite. or mulled wine. Ooh, mulled wine. I love it. I almost <gasps> made mulled wine, to. but I didn't want to do all the work. When we do Christmas stuff, we should make mulled yes, wine. Yes, I love mulled wine. That's a great idea. Um, So... You guys, today is October 3rd, so in 10, 10 days from now. Scary. Can you believe it? Very scared. We are doing another pop-up for the Swallows Flight at the As We Dwell space in downtown Los Angeles. So if you are anywhere near the area, go to our link in our bio and get tickets and come meet us and talk to us. We would greatly appreciate seeing some of our listeners in person and uh, to come to represent us but also to support our friend Ariel who's putting a lot of work into this pop-up yes and definitely if you don't already follow us on social media definitely follow us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist and get us on Facebook because we do have a Facebook invite there for the event and if anything changes uh, as far as what we're doing, we will be updating both of those pages. So mm-hmm. updated times or, you know, God forbid anything else happen. Yeah. Check those pages yeah. for um, updated information. And I want to give a quick shout out to Two Girl Book Party, who we're going to be uh, performing with at the show. Check them out on Instagram. I believe they're just at Two Girl Book Party. I believe so. And we are going to be doing a kind of... Book live club. Book club. We're gonna do kind of like a, a a book club with the two of us and the two of them, and we're going to be talking about a book called Dead Girls by guys, Alice Boleyn. Which I is, started reading it today. Yes, it's an essay. It's kind of a bunch of feminist essays. Yeah, and it's very interesting. And so. just the whole like her first little prologue about dead girls and what that means is so fascinating. Yeah, really and how appropriate to, for this episode. I so. know. I'm so excited to dig into that more and talk about it with them and. Have another wonderful live show experience. So, I mean, do you like books? Do you like tea? Do you like us? Do you like live music? If it's a yes to one or all of those things, um, definitely come and check us out. You guys, it's really fun. The last one was amazing. Yeah, really good time. So, um... If you have any sister solidarity stories, if you have any other sort of stories or things that you want to reach out to us about, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Like Keegan said, you can find us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist if you'd uh, rather send a direct message to us there. Um, we really do love hearing from you guys. We cannot say that enough. Um, we've had some really great emails and uh, messages, even just today, that have truly made my day yeah absolutely Uh, and it means a lot so anything else we need to touch on before we say goodbye i don't think so i think we got it all right so i guess with that being said we encourage you to rage on bye
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.